0: I Welcome to episode 15 of Ride or Break. I'm your host, Eagle Devil, And uh, this is a very special episode in that I am recording it live, more or less. I mean, by the time you listen to it, it will be <laughs> no longer live. But uh, what I decided to do was to, it's uh, currently 5.55 a.m. Sunday morning uh, here in Japan. And in a couple minutes, they're going to start showing the summer superhero, superheroine Festival, uh, or whatever the proper name of it is, and uh, we're gonna get our first look I mean, our first real look properly uh, at Kamen Rider Gaim. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to record my initial reaction as I watch it live on TV. Now, I'm not sure exactly when that is gonna happen because for the next three hours they're going to show uh, Superhero Tyson and one of the Pretty Cure movies back-to-back back, uh, with commercial interruptions, most likely. So I thought what I'd do is kind of just sit here and, and talk about them, not so much in like a commentary kind of thing. So you don't have to be watching them as, as you listen to this, but uh, maybe just sort of general thoughts. I'll probably refer to some things on screen as they happen. So if you want, you can throw them all in the background. Given the fact that there's going to be commercial breaks, uh, the timing will be all over the place. So yeah, I'll, I'll try not to be too specific about anything. And it, I, as far as the Gaim stuff, uh, I don't know when that's coming. That could be at the very beginning. It could be at the very end. Uh, I saw on TV Asahi's website that it was going to come sometime during Superhero Tyson. They kind of made it sound like they'd show off the new rider uh, during that block. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. It <laughs> kind of depends, I guess, on... Uh, just whatever happens, because I don't know. This is this is a first for me. This is completely unrehearsed, unscripted, unedited. I might go back and and take out some of the silent parts or the parts where I'm just kind of stumbling, as I'm off to do uh, later on. But I don't know for the most part, I thought it'd be fun just to kind of do a this is you know this is my first reaction to something, uh, which you don't usually get. Because obviously I can't be recording while watching a movie. And most of the time when it comes to Kamen Rider, it's it's stuff that I've watched years ago and I'm rewatching now. Or, you know, if it's Wizard, I watched it like a week ago or a couple days ago. And I'm just kind of relating to you my feelings uh, after the fact. But... In this case, I, you know, I get to tell you as it happens, which is, is kind of cool. Uh, maybe it's, I think it's cool. Maybe it's not as interesting as I think it is, but uh, there you go. So anyway, we're about two minutes away from the hour, and they should be starting up soon. Uh, they just got the news going on right now. Now, this is probably the earliest I've ever had to get up to watch uh because usually it's on at 8 a.m. Uh, Sunday mornings here. Although for the last two weekends in my area, it wasn't because we're in the middle of the high school uh, baseball tournament. Uh, that might be over now. I haven't really been paying attention. But because of that, they would preempt it. And they showed the last two episodes of Wizard Thursday and Friday, I believe. Um, now, I was able to see them online, of course, along with everybody else. But even still, I, I don't know. I just That was a bit of a disappointment because there were two really good episodes. And it's like... Man, of all the times for Wizard to get knocked off the air, although I guess the trade-off is it's going to be the longest Rider series in a long time. I think it's 53 episodes is what they're saying, and the last two are going to be kind of special. So I guess it's 51 episodes of Wizard properly, and then two kind of bonus ones that will probably have Wizard in them, I'm sure. I I don't know if they'll be counted as their own thing, or uh, if they'll be included with Wizard on the DVDs, it kind of reminds me of Kamara Black, actually, uh, depending on who you ask, it either has 51 or 52 episodes. The 52nd one is actually the RX special that kind of recaps all the previous writers, and uh, sort of introduces us to RX, which is cool. And this, uh, this particular thing that they're doing now, it actually reminds me a lot of the TV special that introduced Skyrider, which was called the Immortal Kamen Rider, I believe. And that was notable for being the last appearance of Tachibana Tobe, uh, outside of, like, SD Riders and stuff like that, but sort of the last, you know, canon one, I guess, if you will. And uh, it was basically, they had a bunch of clips from the various old Rider movies. They showed the entirety of the Kamen Rider V3 movie, it kind of like panned and scanned and cropped down and stuff, and then at the very end they showed Skyrider like for the first time ever kind of run around fighting guys It's really cool, okay, it's now uh six o'clock, and we're starting up here with superhero Tyson. they're you know showing the trailer and everything, and I guess that will go until seven thirty because that's when the pretty cool movie starts, according to this uh and I haven't actually seen that one. I don't know <laughs> maybe i'll I'll stick around and keep watching Because... Uh, you know, obviously, I'm a bit more well-versed when it comes to Rider and Sentai, but... Oh, wait, no, here we go. He's Gaim. Wow. It's just kind of a silhouette, so... <laughs> assuming I'm assuming they'll show more after that, but... uh Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, Superhero Tyson. Might as well get to that, because it's starting now with uh, that infamous opening scene. Now, overall, when it comes to this film, I think my kind of... uh the famous quote I made, or maybe not so famous, but the my lasting kind of quote about this one is that I don't regret watching it, and I still feel that's true today. It's a very heavily flawed movie, but it's also, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff about it. There's a lot that I like. Uh, it's got a lot of fun moments. Uh, you know, really, it's its a lot like the Rider crossovers in general, where they've been on this sort of evolutionary journey, as I kind of call it. Like, you know, for years and years and years, the thing to do in writer movies and in writer shows was have the old writers team up. And I love that. I love having the old guys return and and join forces with the new guy and, and then bounce off each other and all that. That's really cool. And then from the 2000s on, they kind of pulled back on that. But then they slowly would sort of introduce it over time, I mean, at first, the best you could hope for was something like the Ryuki Hyper Battle video, which was this funny little dream sequence that Shinji has where he meets Agito. Um, and then eventually we got Climax Deca, which, you know, was a, a bit of a step up, but not. Uh, I think the thing about Climax Deca was I thought it would have been better if they had kept Kiva as a secret, like not announce him the way they did. And, you know, and the posters made you think that. He was like a co-star in the movie, and he's really not. It's cool to see him there, but I think he really should have been kind of like a a, a minor little surprise, or you know, almost the way they handle the Rider cameos in some of the later movies, where you know they 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 are kind of they do kind of promote them and stuff, but they're not. They don't make you think that they're going to be like one of the biggest things in the film, uh, and that was probably. I think the the disappointment for a lot of people with Climax Deco was you really thought Kiva was gonna be a co-star and it's a deno movie that Kiva happens to appear in. You know, it's it's still I, I think it's still got some, some good bits and stuff like that, but uh, you know, not maybe not the greatest as far as crossovers go or team ups. But then eventually from there we got stuff like All Riders vs. Die Shocker, Let's Go Common Riders, Mega Max. You know, each one, I think, has found a way to kind of improve on the previous one. Now, with Superhero Tyson, it's almost like they had to sort of start over from zero because it's the same writer and director and producer, like the same basic staff as uh, All Writers vs. Die Shocker and Let's Go Count Writers. Now, I love those movies. uh, But this one, I think... Part of it is just kind of the timing, actually. And I remember we talked about this on H.J. Radio, and Vangelis said this, I believe, which was that it felt like a movie from the early 2000s, and coming out in the 2010s, like with the the current writers, it didn't really work as much. And I have to agree with that. Uh, Like right now, actually, as I'm watching on the screen, we've got Forze. And I think the Forze characters really feel kind of out of place in this movie because Forze was so much about friendship and making friends and kind of forgiving even the worst villains sometimes. You know, everybody was capable of redemption, that sort of thing. And I know that, you know, ultimately we find out by the end of this movie that it's all kind of a big secret plan and stuff, but even still, just the kind of, uh, uh, I guess you could say the sort of mean-spirited... Feel of a lot of this movie. I, I don't think it really works with Forze, or I don't think Forze works as well in that. Although maybe you could say, actually, that's that's sort of the brilliance of it, is that we're taking these guys who are very much about being friends and, you know, heroes got to get together. I mean, as soon as Gentaro sees Captain Marvelous, he's, like, ready to give him the fist bump and everything. And having them having these these very kind of almost innocent uh kids deal with this <laughs> very violent and and bizarre and just nonsensical situation. I don't know, maybe I you know maybe you could say that Forza is the best sort of main writer to have in this. I mean he's he's the incumbent at this point, I guess you could say. Uh and already we've gone to a commercial break, so if something tells me this is going <laughs> to this is going to be a lot longer than it's supposed to be. but Now, Superhero Tyson Zet, uh, the second one. I, I really like that film a lot. It's, it again, got problems, although I think already a lot of the, the things I didn't like about this one, they fixed. So that's what I mean about the whole evolutionary step thing, where just as the Rider team-ups are kind of on this journey where they, as each one happens, you... You know they find some way to improve on it maybe they you know maybe it's a two steps forward one step back kind of thing sometimes but uh you know overall i i enjoy each one successively i think they do get better and better now uh of course with this since we're combining it with sentai and later metal heroes like i said you got to kind of start over from the beginning and in how you approach it and all that because sentai They've been doing the crossover movies for a long time. I mean, you know, when Ryder had pretty much given up on it, Sentai still did the Versus movies, and those are really, really fun. And uh, the 199 Heroes movie that they did, that was great. Uh, that was an excellent film. And having them now meet with the writers, and I, I guess, uh, I, I suppose in, in some ways, I sort of wish that the people who had handled the Sentai crossover movies got a bit more say in this one. As far as I know, it was largely the guys who do the Rider crossover movies. Uh, And like I said, I like those, but there's certainly things you could say about them that I don't think apply to the Sentai movies as much. The big one being, I feel like the the big Rider crossover movies, like All Riders vs. Die Shocker and Let's Go, they're really being made for general audiences first and fans second now that does sound kind of weird considering the whole you know the nature of of a crossover and a team up and cameos and all that stuff is is fan service and throwing in all the little touches that fans will like and all that the thing is i think you know you have to find that balance between something that is approachable for the casual viewer but is also something the fan will enjoy and I tend to think that those movies value the casual viewer a bit more. You know, they'll throw in stuff like specific little references or, or name-dropping or things. But it's it's used in a way, or it's done in a way, rather, that's just kind of... Uh, it's not essential to know what everything is. It helps, and you can certainly enjoy it more in some ways. But it's... It's really, it's just kind of there in a lot of cases. I mean, I, I guess, you know, th- to use Superhero Tyson as an example, the big villain of the film is called Big Machine, um, the giant robot. Now, you can watch this movie having no idea as to the meaning of that or, or the history of it and just be like, okay, that's the name of it. It's kind of goofy. You know, It's we might as well call him Giant Robot. Now, of course, the thing is, Big Machine is the name of essentially the shocker leader in the Kamen Rider manga. He's the character who shows up at the end uh, for the final battle. Spoilers, but... <laughs> um, And, you know, that's that's a cool reference, but again, it's like, it's the way it's used in this movie, you don't have to read the manga or be familiar with the manga to still get it. Now, I think with the Sentai movies they're a little bit more, they lean more towards the fan side to a degree. I'd say they're, they kind of find a really good balance where they're, uh, y- you know, they're accessible enough for new viewers or, or for casual viewers. But also if you're a big fan, I mean, if you're a, if you're a longtime Sentai fan, I think 199 Heroes is just a gold mine. you know, tons of great stuff. And then, I guess, when it comes to, say, like, the Ultraman movies, I, I tend to feel that they're made for Ultraman fans, first and foremost. Uh, you know, like the Ultraman Zero movies. Particularly the first one, the Mega Monster Battle one. Uh, the, the one that introduced Belial and Zero. Because there's just so much stuff in there where... You know, I I suppose if you're new to Ultraman or or, or not as versed in Ultraman, you can still enjoy it, but... For me, as a longtime fan, there was so much great stuff in there. Uh, you know, now that's that's my own kind of personal view of it, and, and maybe you disagree. Maybe you think, well, the Ryder movies are complete fan wank that's just <laughs> unintelligible for most of us. And whereas the uh, you know anyone can watch the Ultraman movies and and love them just the same. I don't know. That's just my own view, but. Uh, now, the exception to all that, I think, in the Rider movies case, is Max. I think Megamax, if you, you know, you can go into it as a first-time viewer and still enjoy it. I, I've i shown it to people who only have the most basic knowledge of Kamen Rider, and they love it. They they enjoy it. But I think if you're, especially if you're a fan of Double, O's, or Fourze, uh or, you know, the original, the classic Riders, it's... There's so much great stuff in that one, uh, especially especially the double double through for run cause, because of how it brings in Foundation X and plot threads from those shows and it's all done really well and with a lot of a lot of love and care, whereas you know a film like All Riders vs die Shocker is a lot of fun, but I don't know if it's done with the same of care as something like Mega Max where, you know, Yonamura is just like, I want to write a, a fun adventure film and if it doesn't make sense, well so be it. <laughs> that's kind of how, uh, uh, that's how I, I tend to find. I, I, I like his writing, actually. I mean, he's one that gets uh, kind of booed on a lot, but I don't know. There, there's something about his his style. I think he, he writes from the gut more than from the brain sometimes but I kind of enjoy that because uh, he's he's great at set, making these giant set pieces and things like that now of course you know there, there's a lot of other things involved like the director and the producer and all that so I just i'm basing this on i i own a couple of his scripts actually the uh, script to all rise versus Shaka and the Amazon world episodes a decade which I love even if nobody else does but um and I don't know I just uh i, I like i like the uh, ideas that he has they in some ways, I think they're almost too big for for what can be brought to TV and movies sometimes, but I don't know. He's, uh, I don't think he's, he's he's certainly not the worst writer out there. I, yeah, but he does, uh, his films and, and shows do tend to have flaws that are sometimes hard to ignore. I, I'll, I won't deny that, but uh, and if you're watching along, the movie right now, at this point, uh, is when Meteor shows up and starts fighting the Daisangyaku Uh, Just to <laughs> give some frame of reference of where we're at. Now, um, I guess I'll talk a little bit about... Uh, the use of, 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 Forze. Cause like I said earlier, he was the incumbent at this point, although really he gets kind of sidelined for a large stretch in the movie. And I kind of felt that about superhero Tyson Zet too, with wizard. I think they do it a little bit better there, uh, than here where Forze is in the beginning and then pretty much drops out of the movie and shows up at the end compared to go who, who get a lot more attention. Now, probably the uh you know reason for that is that in a lot of ways, even though Forza is the I keep calling them the main writer of this film, he is sort of sharing that role with Decade. because uh, this was gonna be his big comeback after, you know, a couple of years off the screen. And uh well, outside of cameos and stuff like that, but um and in a lot of this way a lot of ways this movie kind of puts into words some of the problems that i think decade has as a character i'll get to those in a little bit when he actually shows up you know overall i i don't know maybe you're not familiar but my my general feeling on decade is i really liked it i i like the show a lot i like the movie the first one uh all rise versus die shocker anyway the the second one it's got good stuff but it's very hard to ignore the flaws in that one too and again, you know, going back to the whole, like, evolution idea, that was the first movie war. And I think with each subsequent one, they've improved in in ways. Uh, you know, I, I'd still probably say overall, Mega Max is probably the best one. Although I do like Ultimatum a lot. But the first one and the second one, Core, you know, they, they were really sort of on this learning curve. But uh, yeah, but yeah, back to decade. I mean, I, you know, I, I like the show. I like the character. I feel like it, it never quite got the, it was never as planned out as it really needed to be. And it's funny because, I mean, reading about Gokeiger and how the changes uh, the changes that that show went through in terms of originally they didn't plan to have as many guest stars as they ended up with. And and that's one of the best parts of the show, I think, is having all the old actors return, which is a lot of fun. You know, so I, I don't know, I'm just kind of rambling there. But, uh, you know, Decade, I, I just wish that it had been planned out a little bit better at the beginning. I think the problem was having the main writer jump ship halfway through. That's the worst kind of show to do that on, because even though it's, it is sort of this, you know, it's the anniversary show where each separate world was kind of its own little story and we'd jump from one, you know, every couple of weeks to another, there still needs to be a big story tying it all together. And I think Decade had that, but nobody was ever really sure what it was supposed to be. Because if you really stop and think about it, Decade, you know, the, the kind of joke about Decade is that he has no story. Uh, but as I've said elsewhere, I mean, it, it, the problem to me is that Decade has too many stories. He's got he's got at least two basic ones. One is that he is the leader of Die Shocker, who has lost his memories and is now kind of this traveling, strange, vagabond sort of character who kind of has to relearn who he is, but in the process becomes a hero. And then there's the whole destroyer of worlds, kind of faded, you know, you can't avoid your destiny sort of thing. And they try to kind of combine those together, but I don't know if it really works. To me, it's it's combining something that's very uh, logical and, and almost scientific, you know, if you can call it that, with something that's a lot more so sort of fantastical and and magic, you know. It's, uh, y- you can certainly do that. It's actually something that I would probably try to do if I were writing a writer series, and I might be um not on t v of course, but you know it is it sort of have this have this more uh it's what you see kind of feel where you know the writer was made by so and so and they're they're this and and they can do this and that sort of thing, but also have this more sort of mystical side to it of they've got some greater purpose in the universe and in the common Rider world and all that kind of stuff. And um, so, you know, I, I, can't begrudge them for trying. I just, I think to me, ultimately the, the sort of version of decade that I like most is the one that we get by the end of all riders versus die shocker. The idea of decade basically being the equivalent of the great leader in this sort of alternate rider universe where, all the writers are separate in their own little worlds, and by the end, you know, it, it comes down to them all teaming up together against all their villains. Uh, I just, I think the whole Die Shocker idea is is brilliant, honestly. And the perfect villain for a show like Decade. Uh, with that said now, I think, as I said, this movie kind of exposes one of the big flaws of the Decade character or the whole concept. And that is, I don't think the 10th anniversary Heisei idea was really that great. You know, I understand wanting to celebrate 10 years of being back on TV. That's, that's fine. But you could, you know, you put them in the same movie as Gokaiger who were celebrating the whole of Super Sentai and they could turn into 34 previous teams and it just kind of shows how, I think, if, you know, if you're going to do the big anniversary thing, you got to go all or nothing. And just, you know, having having Decade in this movie, you know, you get to see him transforming all the guys, and that's cool. And they even have this thing where he transforms into Rider 1, which you really kind of got to stretch to make that work. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess... You know, there's there's a lot of things you can say about Decade and there's a lot of things you can say about Forze and in in retrospect I kind of wish they'd been one. You know, I kind of wish they'd held off on the big uh form changing anniversary show thing until Forze and done it for All of Kamen Rider and made it you know as as good as Gokaijger was. You know, I still I still enjoy both shows in their own right and even without being, you know, sort of the full-blown anniversary that I think a lot of people wanted. I think Forza is still a very good show, and the way it does use aspects of Kamran's past is very cool. Like, I, I like the, the character name, Anagrams. I like how it it captures the spirit a lot of times. It captures the spirit of... One of the things about Kamran that I think is, is often overlooked, and that is the... The team, the friends, like the the people that help Kawamura, because we always think of the Kawamuras as being these lonely heroes, especially in the classic days. There, you know, I'm a cyborg and there's nobody else like me, that sort of stuff. But they always have friends. They always have the people that support them and that get them through to the end. You know, I mean, without Taki and and Tachibana, Junko, you know, all those characters they wouldn't be who they are. They wouldn't be the same heroes that they are, I think. And that's sort of uh that's something I'd I'd really like to see a show tackle that idea, if you will, um even more. I mean they, they do cer they have done it in, in the old shows and in some of the later ones. Uh but I, I really would like to see a show where I guess Ryuki kinda kind of got at it, I mean, sort of unintentionally. Um, the thing I always like to uh, sort of comment on is how, to me, the character of Verde uh, in the TV special, he's one of my favorite writers in Ryuki, which is funny because he's a, he's a villain. I mean, he's sort of the, the antithesis of what a comic should be, which is kind of why I like him. He's such a uh, perversion, if you will. And it's the same thing with Eternal. I think Eternal was a really good, you know, just messing up of of the whole idea of a comrider and especially playing off a double but um verde to me he was always what Zolda would be like if Zolda didn't have goro because you know goro he was his he was the conscience uh to the Kitooka character he was the one who would kind of tell him when to stop you know he'd, he'd he'd hold him back he'd he befriended Shinji. You know, he, he got along with the other guys a, a little bit better than Kitoka dig, And he was his his moral compass. He was the, the Jiminy Cricket, <laughs> almost, in a way. And the, the genius of the, the Verdict character is that he doesn't have anybody like that. He's, he's another, you know, a classic Inoue rich guy with nobody to tell him when to stop. You know, he's just completely power-mad, has his own messed up idea about what, you know, a common Rider is and how it's a dog-eat-dog dog world and all that. And I, that's just, I think that's amazing. You know, it's it's a, a great idea. And I, I'd love to see that done again in a whole kind of series. Like, I, what I would probably do is I would have uh, the main Rider, of course, and I'd have a heroic secondary Rider probably, but I'd, I'd also have another character who thought they were a common Rider but really weren't you know they kind of they had all the material trappings but they didn't have any friends and they didn't have the the spirit you know the Comrade's <laughs> spirits that's uh that's where the name comes from and they were just completely you know amoral and all that and and ultimately kind of exposed as being this villain you know in, in a way i guess that's kind of what uh the apollo geist character is in in x i mean it's not really dwelled upon that too much but apollo geist was conceived as being the opposite of commander x in in more ways than one i mean he's his rival villain of course but he's also you know just from the design x has black and red and and all those colors but he's predominantly gray or at least he used to be now he's changed a bit much like V three, his his suit has uh, gone through a few color changes, but you know originally he was gray, and Apollo Geist was predominantly black and white. And I think that's just a, a brilliant little subtle touch about sort of the the world views of there's there's black and white, there's absolutes, and then there's sort of the more uh, the open mindedness of 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 gray and and kind of being in the middle and and understanding you know the world isn't as simple as as we want it to be sometimes i guess i'm uh, <laughs> not quite sure where i was going with that but maybe you, maybe you know what i'm getting at now I, I want to apologize actually if you can hear a sound in the background a lot of distortion it's actually downpouring here right now it's uh, we're in the middle of a i think it's a monsoon i actually saw it on the news before the movie started but uh yeah, it, it may be uh, coming down for a while out there, so I just want to apologize in advance. Uh, back to the movie, actually. We're up to the part where Captain Marvelous is fighting with uh, Kaito, who's just jumped in. And, uh yeah, you know, the end. This movie, depending on how you look at it, it's either a great showing for the end or it's his, his worst moment ever. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like a lot of things about this movie, you know, kind of going back to my quote, my I don't regret watching it one, where it's, like I said, you know, it's it's got problems, it's got flaws. A lot of the time with this and, and with a lot of writer things, there's problems where I can, I can admit that they're problems and I can see them, but they don't bother me. Uh, that's definitely the case with Let's Go, where... You know, I've I've had the discussion many times with other people, like my friend Craig of the Hooshcast. Now he's not as as keen on the end of the movie when all the writers show up and do their introduction, which to me is like one of the best parts. Like that's <laughs> the that's what it's all building towards. Um, you know, I I get the I get the problem though. I I understand that yeah, it does go on for a long time, and. You know, if you're already familiar with this character, it's like, yes, I know that's Rider man. I know that's Agito. You know, let's just get to it. Um, You know, the way I I approach it is that any movie can be somebody's first. So there's a whole generation of kids out there who maybe were just a year too young to understand all Riders vs. Die Shocker, but then Let's Go came out. And they're seeing all these guys for what's basically the first time in motion. And... um, Sorry, we're just we're getting another uh, glimpse of Gaim here. Oh, and all the other guys. It's really funny how they they don't actually show you anything. It's like a silhouette, and then it kind of flashes by them. But all right, yeah. Back to what I was saying. You know, for for a kid who if that's their first time seeing all the riders, then you know I think it's it's worth uh, taking a little time to introduce them. I think maybe the older rider movies probably did the best where. You'd get everybody you know running over the hill or driving up over the hill and they do it very quickly you know even the monsters would do it that's one of my favorite parts about camera versus shocker and and all the other ones after that is the monsters get an introduction scene and it's so cool to see all the guys again because they've appeared you know once or twice on the show and here they are and and half the time they're actually just dummies and, and the other half they're you know, the suits are look, looking a little beat up or they're missing a piece here or there, but it's it's still so awesome to see them back. So, uh, you know, I, I guess it just kind of comes down to my own approach, you know. I, I'm always coming into these movies having seen all the old ones and having a very kind of... I have my, my very clear idea of, of what I like in a Kamen Rider movie. Uh, I said that, I said as such, on the uh, Ultimatum podcast, the the HJU one we did, that to me, when I think of, you know, a writer Rider movie, I think of old riders, and I think of the Team Up and the Monster Army out of nowhere at the end and all that, and, you know, I still like films like Project G4 and Episode Final and all that. You know, they're doing something different. That's cool. But when I think of my favorite rider movies, they're the ones that are in that style of... You got the, the rider, the current guy... And then you got everybody else showing up to help him at some point. Uh, you know, my favorite rider movie of all is the Eight Riders versus Ginga O oh movie, the Sky Rider one, which is completely nuts. I mean, it is just it is the craziest movie I've ever seen, <laughs> or one of maybe not the craziest because I've seen some uh, some pretty weird stuff, but it's one of the craziest for sure. I I mean, I just I remember. A couple of years ago, uh, I was I had to describe to someone because they weren't sure they were mixing it up with uh, Super One movie, I think, and I was like, no, 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 uh, you know, Eight Riders. That's the one that starts out with aliens attacking a space station, and that just saying it that way, it just made me laugh so much because it's such a weird thing, you know. It, it, it probably to most of you guys, it's like, wait, well, it's not that funny, um, but. You know, for me, coming from where I am, uh, from my background of the, the old Riders, and, and more or less chronological order, I've always seen Kamen Rider as a very kind of Earth-based thing. Now, it's funny because, you know, in this movie and in Superhero Tyson said and a lot of the modern writers shows, Forza, we've got the whole idea of alien life and alien creatures and stuff. And I mean, and even the old Riders had aliens too. But I think the way they used them was you know for lack of a better phrase more down to earth you know you'd say well this guy was originally from space and he's the leader and everybody else is human or was human at some point that sort of thing so i don't know just the the whole idea of being like yeah this is a right movie where uh aliens in a spaceship show up and start blasting a, a space station which ishinomori happens to be on I don't know. It's really funny, but I I I love that movie. There's not a single second of that movie that I do not adore, and uh, that's when I'll I'll probably do like a commentary track on it or, or something someday. I'd like to just because it's such a fun movie and it's so crazy, and it's it's actually it's very it's a very important film <laughs> for me too because that is where the whole concept of Sigma Energy comes from. And uh, if you know me, you know how important that is. Um, but yeah, after that long kind of tangent, which (laughs) that's what this entire podcast will be most likely, this film, the superhero Tyson, it's, yeah, like I said, it's, it's got problems, but most, for the most part, I don't really mind them. I mean, they, you know, it's, I look at it and be like, I can't really objectively say that this was done well or whatever, but at the same time. Personally, it it doesn't. I don't mind it. Like you know, one big thing is the action in this film, the the fighting, the choreography, and the fight scenes, and how they're staged and everything. I mean, a lot of people didn't like that. Uh, you know, coming off of films from other directors like Sakamoto, the uh, Kaneda style. Uh, he's Osamu Kaneda. He's the director of this. It just feels too old-fashioned and too trad if you will traditional which i i don't mind i i think it it works fine you know it's it's often in the canada movies it's stuff that we've seen before but it's done it's done well so i can't complain about it i mean i i don't mind it it's you know i guess if you're if you're watching primarily for action and you want to see interesting new dynamic forms of action in tokusatsu then yeah he's he's one of the old guard and you're not really going to see that with him you're not going to see it with a lot of directors outside of sakamoto and the guy who did the uh wizard movies pretty good uh wizard in particular the or the early episodes and even some later ones but the early ones really come to mind that the the fighting choreography is great and really unique and um, to go from that to something like this where it's like I said a lot more traditional but you know I I'm okay with it maybe you know some people aren't but I didn't mind it myself now some people may say that uh it's not so much the fighting itself as as how it plays into the story and what it does like we're we're at the part now where uh, Captain Marvelous and Scotts are facing down and Captain Marvelous just came in and basically cleaned house on Doris, <laughs> um, who was, for a time, a very powerful villain. I mean, in, in ZO he was a tough customer, and then the first movie war made him out to be a threat capable of taking on ten riders at once, uh, which was interesting. But, yeah, that that is a problem, I can admit, with... Going back to Yonemura, his movies, and and maybe it's not really his fault so much as this is just the guy they decided to throw in. You know, I don't know if it's how it's he wrote it in the script or it's the choice the director made or whatever. But major league villains do tend to get they, they job out pretty quickly in <laughs> in one of these films. Like uh, one of the few things about Let's Go Karin's that I didn't like was that. Uh, again, Apollo guy is one of my favorite villains, and you know Jack Shogun and the uh, Amazon world guy. Um, but, you know his version of the Ten faced Demon, the new one. They all kind of they fall into a pit of lava and provide a little exp- exposition. And it's like, really, that's how we're gonna waste these <laughs> major guys? Because you know, I, I think whenever you have those classic characters, you gotta treat them with respect because uh, cause they're the they're the ones that pave the way, if you will. And you know, you could say that's a major failing of this movie is that it doesn't treat these characters with much respect, especially the the seven riders at the beginning, where it's like it's the anti matter beginning to Mega Max, basically. You know, that got it perfect. It, it had all seven riders just kicking loads of butt, and you know, showed just how great these guys are. You know, it served as this, this reminder of this is why we're watching this movie. It's because of what these guys did. You know, both the uh, people behind the scenes and the people in front of the camera. And, um, yeah, and, and, and the villains, or, you know, heroes, but especially with the villains, they, they tend to get <clears throat> killed off very easily uh this movie in particular will will do it with uh the guys from go the uh the gill father son team they get they get a really kind of stupid death and you know i think it's i think it's okay to be a little miffed about that i mean because you know these are characters that that we like and you want to see them handled well uh you know to go back to the the ultraman movie the Mega Monster Battles one. One of the things that really bothered me about that film was how quickly Zareb is killed off. Zareb is the guy who goes to free Belial from the prison. He can turn into a fake Ultraman and he sneaks in to release Belial, who then pretty much kills him. And I was like, man, that's... Because Zareb was always one of the coolest monsters in the original show to me. Like, I love that episode. My dad and I... Watch that one so much, partly because in the dub, uh, they gave him this really cool voice. Uh, he's he's got some very memorable uh, scenes, playing off of uh, Hayata or Ultraman. But and he just he really, you know, he he's killed off very quickly in the the new movie and with a little fanfare. And I don't know. I I mean, I guess I'm I'm just not really a big fan of killing old villains to make a new villain look more badass at the same time though that's actually something they did in superhero tyson z and i didn't mind it so much there but that's because it was involved eke devil (laughs) killing somebody um so i don't know i guess it it depends on it depends on the character really and and how much you care about them you know like i've always sort of decided if i'm ever going to do that you know, if I'm ever in the position someday where I'm I'm writing a scene where new villain, in order to look more powerful, they have to kill off an old villain. It's got to be somebody who was never really that cool to begin with. So you don't mind seeing them <laughs> get killed off that way. You know what I mean? It's like a character who's kind of uh, exists to be the fall guy. Uh, I suppose... One example where that's done well that I can think of is actually in Blade. Without spoiling it too much, there's there's a sort of a villain who comes in later. Uh and he's he's actually he's pretty cool. I mean, he's not a bad character and I uh, the actor who plays him is great and everything. And the monster that he turns into is awesome. But he does sort of. He primarily exists so that we can see just how bad another character is, like just how rotten and slimy this other guy is, who you didn't think was going to be that bad, but it turns out he's he's bad, and that's done very well. Um, now, I think admittedly part of the reason is that the character who gets killed, uh, you know, you kind of he you kind of saw it coming long enough. Like he had that sort of like dead man walking stamped on his head. To where, when when the hammer finally falls, you're sort of ready for it, and I guess I prefer that to just, you know, here's an old character, let's randomly kill him off to make this guy look cooler. Um, I don't know, maybe that's not a problem other people have, but it is sort of a it's a hang up for me, I guess. Uh, but you know, it it has been done well, and it it can certainly be done well. I I just think in the in the case of Let's Go. You know, it's a great leader, so I can't be too upset about it. But at the same time, it's like, oh, come on. We could have given these guys a fight scene. And, and that's one of the th- ways where this movie X kind of improves is Apollo Geist gets a great little fight with Forze at the end, uh, which is, is a cool thing to see. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's always a learning process. They can always uh, improve off of the previous one. I mean, I think the, uh, the final battle in superhero tyson set like the giant thing that they got to fight at the end i think it's an improvement on the one in this and, th- and this one's pretty good i mean it's good cgi for the big machine but sorry about that i have to pause every now and then to cough and take a drink because i'm actually i think i'm developing a bit of a cold because uh the last two days i was spending a lot of time with kids again and uh you know how kids can make you sick <laughs> But, um, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how Gaim goes over. I I really can't wait to see both today and and later in the coming months. Because, uh, wow, it's, it just looks so crazy. You know, the the whole fruit thing. Ah, who knows? It might be a massive hit, and it will be the new direction of tokusatsu for years to come who knows but uh it's exciting well if you're still watching the movie <laughs> we're now at the part where uh joe and kaido and everybody they're on the ship and they're kind of fighting each other and the uh the character interaction in this is pretty good i mean i, I think the thing is, is it's kind of not what everybody wanted to see you know you you when you see the heroes come together you want to see them hanging out and getting along i think for the most part you know they can be a little prickly like megamax again got it just perfectly where shotaro and Genta are these very big personalities and putting them up against each other and having them clash uh you know just for a little bit not 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 to the point where they hate each other i think but just kind of you know have this sort of moment where they're sort of feeling each other up uh, or feeling each other out i should say is probably a better way to put it um and uh a bit of a Freudian slip there um and you know that's that's really cool to see, and then you got a g who's a bit more a bit more subdued and a bit more kind of used to the idea i guess of hang out with other riders because he's done it already uh yeah um but that that kind of stuff that's really cool to see it 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 always sort of reminds me i guess you know another another series that I really like is Doctor who and Whenever you have a, a multi-doctor crossover where he meets himself, <laughs> which is just a brilliant idea, and the the idea that he he doesn't really get along with himself, like the different versions of the Doctor, they kind of they kind of argue and they kind of bicker a little bit, you know, some some get along better with uh with others, but uh, that's just that's really funny and it's it's a cool idea, and so I sort of like seeing that with the different superheroes, uh, different writers or whatever Sentai where. They're sort of like you know, hey, we've been busting our butts for a whole year, and and now this other guy shows up, and it's like, where were you when I was doing this? <laughs> that sort of thing? You know, fortunately, they never they never get a, <laughs> it never gets too in depth with that sort of thing. I mean, really, if you think about it, like when all the other guys show up in Black RX, uh, Minami Kotaro has every right to be like, you know, a couple months ago or like a year ago, Japan was going to hell people were leaving en masse by boat. You know, the country was being declared a war zone. There were street gangs everywhere. I could have used a little <laughs> help. The way I always th- think of it is that, uh, it, it, I mean, his his character, uh, Kotaro, he's he's such a nice, pleasant guy that I don't think he would mind. He'd be like, well, I, you know, I, I can handle it. I, I can do it. And any help is appreciated, but I, you know, this is something I got to do myself. Like, that's, that's sort of how he'd be. And and with any of the others, too. You know, they're they're always grateful to have some assistance, but at the same time, they uh, they understand needing to be the guy who's carrying the burden on his shoulders, that sort of thing. Because, you know, you don't want to have a rider who, when the old writers show up, they're like, okay, you guys handle it, I'll just sit back and uh, <laughs> watch. That might be kind of funny to do, like once or twice or something as sort of a joke, but I I don't know if it <laughs> I don't know if it'd make for a very good uh, movie or anything, but um, but yeah, and this one, you know, we've got this odd bunch of sort of second stringers with two of the Gokaijers and a character from O's and a character from Decade hanging around and trying to just make sense of what the heck is going on. And to this day, I'm still not 100% sure who's in on the big plan. It's a little confusing, but, you know, they, they forgive each other quickly enough for the most part. And now, after that last commercial break, we've got the part where Denno shows up. I'm actually, I'm not sure how much stuff they're cutting out of this film. Uh, I imagine a lot, because I seen her recall there was a whole scene where they went to the Shaka ship. Uh, and we're kind of like watching Skasa and I don't remember seeing that today, so I'm sure there's a lot cut out. And now they've gone back to 1976, and there's Baseball Mask, or uh, Yaku Kamen in Japanese. <laughs> and, um, you know, I gotta say, as as silly as he looks, the original episode is... Hilarious. I mean, it, it's you know he's silly with full intent of being silly. That's the thing. The original, uh, I mean, Go Ranger is a pretty goofy show overall. It's a very lighthearted, like intentionally so lighthearted show. But that episode in particular is like an out-and-out comedy, and it's a great episode. If you you know, I I really hope one of these days somebody decides to sub Go Ranger because it's a fun show. I know I I've said that I think the original *Common rider sustains the length a little bit better just because it changes things up so much. You know, you got the Hongo era and then the Ichimanji era and then the return of Hongo and even even within those there's all sorts of little sub eras if you will. You know, like Ichimanji, his first uh 26 episodes or rather his first uh 13 episodes I should say and then his next 13, and then the 13 after that. They're, you know, same basic cast, change the villains around a bit, um, but there's a lot of little differences between them, and a lot of stylistic changes and thematic changes. That's something I want to do at some point. I've actually been thinking about this for a long time. I just need to set aside a few hours to rewatch them all, but the Dr. Shinigami era if you will, like episodes 40 through 52 of of Kamen Rider. To me, I think that's probably the darkest Kamen Rider ever gets. Now, it's funny to say that. I mean, my my sort of view of of dark is a little bit different than a lot of other people. Uh, Where I I think, you know, for something to be dark, it doesn't have to be relentlessly grim or grimdark or or, or whatever, but it's more kind of a a mood and a, a style thing and to me those episodes they they have this very kind of almost like funeral atmosphere where you know that the clock is ticking for Rider two uh because he leaves at the end of those he he goes off to south america to get stronger um get stronger himself not actually go find stronger because he wasn't around yet but uh yeah those those ones are great those are some of my favorite uh well it's it, I can't really say those are some of my favorite when it comes to the original series because every episode is my favorite. <laughs> but uh but yeah, yeah, baseball Mask, the original episode, it, it's a lot of fun. It's it's got it's got one of my favorite kind of like running gags where his, his henchmen, they all have team numbers, like a baseball team, and there's one guy who's number zero who always like shows up at the end. It's it's really good. And that episode is noticeable because it has another Dr. Shinigabi. Not the Kamen Rider one, but this other guy. who uh, He gets that name because he has the amazing ability to die and then come back to life. And there's a part where they have to break him out of prison. Basically by killing him. <laughs> and then sneaking him out. It's really funny. Alright, well, as far as the movie goes, uh, we're up to the part where Aka Ranger and Rider-1 fight. And um, this scene was one that <laughs> I don't feel was done as well as it could have been. It it, it totally comes down to the fact that you already know it's not Aka Ranger and it's not Rider-1 before they start fighting. And I just, I, you know, this was sort of like, this was the thing that was on the posters and it was it was built up as being like this big moment. And then to kind of reveal that it's all a big fake out, you know you can do that at the end and it's like oh they got us you know but when you do it at the beginning it's like okay wait why are they still fighting as these guys when they're not like yeah you know, I, I what i would have just had is is just had neither of them speak or you don't you never see rider one from the waist down i mean the thing they do with the belt that's kind of a cheat i think because decades belt couldn't do that before and neither could decade turn into all the other the classic riders before but Maybe uh maybe that's like a leftover from if you remember in Movie War when he got the violent emotion all that and he suddenly he had the ability to use G4's rocket launcher and stuff like that. I uh, maybe at some point he's just he's developed the ability to use every single rider power ever or something <laughs> to compete with uh cuz uh, no again going back to the whole thing where Gokaiger can turn, turn into every sentai team before them Decade can only go back to Kuga. And I think they kind of realized that with this movie, where they're like, well, you know, Kuga fighting Aka Ranger isn't going to have quite the same impact as uh, Rider 1 fighting Aka Ranger. So we got to give Decade the ability to become Rider 1. Uh, but he doesn't really have that ability because he's Decade and his belt only has a certain number of symbols. So I don't know. Maybe it would have helped to have created a, a rider who could have become all the past... The, like the the classic 10. But then, you know, then what about Black and Black RX and Shin and all those guys? Like, I don't know. I think what you probably could do, uh, this is something that I would do, is uh, you could make a writer who could at least become all the female writers. You know, becomes Tackle, becomes Femme, Shuki. You know, even goes beyond Decade and becomes like Nadesco and stuff. That'd be pretty cool. I don't know what you'd use her in, but maybe they'll do another decade movie someday who knows but uh yeah we're now coming up on the climax actually so they've they've managed to cut this movie down to about an hour and i think what was it originally like an hour and a half uh this podcast is now about an hour i hope you've enjoyed listening to me ramble for about an hour cuz it's it's we still got a ways to go um, at least until guym shows up i know that much but uh yeah the the big plan, the whole we're going to zap everybody into this other dimension and then have them all show up at the same place at the same time once the villains are assembled. It really doesn't make any sense when you think about it. Mainly because the bad guys, they succeed in in summoning the giant robot anyway. So it's like why were we doing all this? Why (laughs) why didn't we just go after them? I don't know. I mean, I guess... You know, I, I sort of get it that they they needed everybody in the same place at the same time, but I don't know. It's just crazy, and 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 that's why, to an extent, I can't get too mad about the whole DN thing. I mean, it is goofy, and I know a lot of people have said, you know, this is this is when DN gets mad that his his boyfriend cheats on him and all that. <sighs> you know, <laughs> not exactly the way I would put it, but you know, whatever works, and uh but it's just yeah i like i I can sympathize with him getting so mad because it's like yeah tsukasa what the hell are you doing (laughs) like you put us through all that (laughs) i guess i should talk a little bit about uh and and the villain side in this and narutake is dr g (laughs) Uh I mean the costume's cool and, and the the new version of Connie Laser's cool. He's he's so different from the original that he, he might as well have been a different guy altogether, but uh I think Kanataki makes a, a slightly better Colonel Zol than he does a Dr. G. I, I think his, his Dr. G is he's does he gets the whole rider thing, but the thing is there's more there's a lot more to the character than that. Like Doctor G and Dr. Shinigami too uh both of them to me they're really cool mad scientist archetypes because they're so completely not the mad scientist archetype you know they're not the kind of ranting raving lunatic character like you know professor gill in in Kyder. he's a great character too but he's a, he's a lot more sort of the traditional crazy scientist dude Now, he's also kind of awesome because he he lets other people do the science. You know, he sits around in a chair all day, kind of yelling at him over screens and stuff and playing his flute, Uh, and that's awesome. But he is closer to the idea of, you know, the the insane genius kind of thing. Whereas with the common writer guys, uh, at least with Dr. Shinigami and, and Dr. G, they're I never really think of them as crazy. I think of them as you know evil for sure, and and ruthless, and amoral, and all that. But not insane. Or at least, if they're insane, you know they. I guess I guess the way I'd say it is they're more sociopathic than psychopathic. Uh, which is how I feel about a lot of Comrade villains. Like actually, Oja. You know, everybody kind of says oh Oja is the the psycho killer and all that. But I've always thought of him as more of he revels in the violence and all that, but I don't really think he's crazy. I think he he does the crazy thing as an act. I think he's capable of, of recognizing what he's doing, and he's he's smarter than he lets on. That kind of thing. I mean, that's that's why I think the Oja character to me worked was that he's actually he's not really that tough, but he cheats. He's slimy. He he doesn't play by the rules and all that i mean in in a lot of the straight-up fights he gets his butt kicked and a lot of the times when he kills somebody they've already been taken a beating like you know the first guy he kills is guy who's already taken a zolda final vent right on the chest <laughs> so uh spoiler warning although i don't think anybody cares about guy that much but i liked him but you know, but that's the thing, is that is Ojo would take advantage of the situation. So I think he's he's a good villain. I don't think he's a very strong villain. I mean, he's he's strong within the Ryuki world, just by virtue of being a guy who is a fighter by nature. But, like, you know, in a straight-up fight with any of the other Kamen Riders, Ojo would get his butt kicked, like, easily. In the Ryuki universe, he works, though. Because most of the guys in Ryuki, Ryuki himself included, they're just regular people who, you know, they have a lot of drive and ambition and they're they're given this power that they, they don't fully know what to do with. But they're not you know, they're they're not sort of the professional fighters that you'd get in, in some of the other writers' shows. So you know, I, you know, Oja is a fun character, uh but but again, go back to the whole idea of I think he's he's not as crazy as he wants you to think and and that's that's sort of part of his his charm is that you know he like it's like the whole thing he does the sort of the sob story that he feeds us like halfway through with his brother and all that then he ends up killing his brother and you know maybe i guess you could say maybe that was kind of a crazy act but i i feel like he just sort of wanted to do it all along you know he's he revels in the violence and and causing chaos and evil and all that but He's fully aware of it. He's not uh, he, like to me, the, the, the true psycho of that show is Tiger. He's a character who is literally psychopathic. like he, he believes he's doing well. He believes he's a hero. You know I mean, I know that's sort of the thing that, that we often say about villains that you know everybody's the hero of their own story, and the villains don't think they're doing evil. I think you can have villains who are fully aware that what they're doing is evil. They just don't care. You know they they to to them there's they don't have the moral grounding to to tell them that's wrong and and that was sort of the difference between oja or asakura and um tojo or or tiger is that one was a guy who thought he was doing the right thing and he's actually doing these horrible things the other is a guy or uh, oja i should say is the guy who is he's doing these horrible things he knows he's horrible he doesn't care he's having a blast and he doesn't even really care about winning he just wants to fight you know he he would his wish would probably be to start the battle all over again so he could fight until the end of time because he's just so much fun you know and that's why he's a he's a good villain in his own right i don't know if he i'd call him psychopath but uh, maybe not you know I'm not a psychology major so I could have that all wrong <laughs> same thing with uh again going back to <laughs> Dr. G and Dr. Shinigami is that they were a lot more they were more subdued and more kind of like they they fully knew what they were doing at all times and I don't know it's just uh, they were really cool characters Dr. G particularly and that and that's why I think the Narataki version he You know, he's a good kind of, uh, I guess you could say, impression without really getting to the meat of the character. And, you know, I'm sure that was the last thing on their mind when making this. But I I guess it's just, ultimately, it it does make the whole thing seem a bit weird. It's like, why is Narazaki cosplaying as Dr. G? Yeah. But you know, it's it, I I hope someday they reveal who the character is supposed to be because this movie doesn't <laughs> really do much with it. Oh, and Forze back. Forze and uh, Go Buster, the GoBusters have shown up. GoBuster is really uh, I I like them, but I think you know again they they don't get a whole lot of attention in this movie. I think they actually they get more screen time and more character bits in the next one in uh superior tyson Z. they're really sort of just cameoing here uh, but i do like the part where they go out and they fight the all the old rider villains and they're like who the heck are these guys uh, another another villain in this film is bio hunter silver here he's called rider hunter silver who i, I thought that was a cool inclusion i do kind of wish that he'd gotten a bit more to do because uh, he's such a cool-looking villain, he's you know obviously a an homage to Hakaider, who is sort of like the Tokusatsu villain in some ways. Uh, but you know he's he's a unique character in his own right, and he's very memorable and again cool design. I you know I just wish he'd gotten a bit more to do. Than his his sole kind of purpose is he fights Meteor, he sort of represents the Sentai side of villains, and then he's there to you know. <laughs> Be the guy who gets KO'd by the new toy, which is the O's Ranger Keys. And of course, you know, because it's Superhero Tyson, I cannot let this podcast go by without talking about Isokin Jaguar, who appears in this movie. You can see him in all the crowd shots. Uh, I just I was so happy to see him back in a film. <laughs> because if you don't know, he's, uh, he's a guy from the original Common Rider. Episode 84, and that's the one that is written and directed by Ishinobori himself. And so the Sogan Jagar character, I think we, like, his, his creation and the filming of that episode and everything, there's, there's more documentation about him than, like, any other villain in Common Rider. So literally, like, from the moment he was first sketched out to when they blew his suit up, <laughs> you know, we know the whole story, more or less um okay well we're now on to the big fight scene with uh all the craziness that ensues and you know honestly th- this is again this is one of those times when for all the problems that the film may have seeing this play out is just so much fun you know there's just the complete chaos and the wackiness and but at the same time you know they do get some really good moments in there like when you got all the stuff with the heroes from the same years, teaming up, you know, Magiranger and Hibiki and all that. And, you know, it's it's cool to see stuff like that. It's it's cool to see them put a little bit of thought into how they're going to do these battles. And, of course, there you know, there's the big one, it's Masked Man in black, fighting Shadow Moon. You know, I know a lot of people love this one, <laughs> this, this particular team up. This is for all the, the children of 1987, 1988. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it, the, the whole fight scene at the end is is a lot of fun. Is it in, in some ways I, I think as I said, I've said before. Uh-oh, looks like they cut some stuff out there. Um as I said before, th- this is kind of what we were all waiting for. You know, like this is what everybody wanted to see. It's just you got the whole first hour to go through. Then you get to the big the meat of the production. And obviously, you know, if you started out with this The movie would be about 10 minutes long but i don't know maybe you could do that i mean they've they've certainly done movies like that before 10 minute long fight scenes but oh geez yeah it seems like they cut a lot of stuff out (laughs) because we're already on to the giant robots and stuff now unless i'm just uh remembering it wrong it's been a while since i last watched this but now, that that was one thing that I thought was kind of funny, was you have the heroic Go Busters music playing while everybody's, like, jumping in the air, you know, the synchronized jumping to explosions. <laughs> I don't know, it just that was a bit funny. It's like, you know, yeah, heroes are kicking butt, and oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, okay, no, maybe they didn't cut as much out as I remember because we're on to uh, General Shadow here. Turned into a giant card and flying around. I think uh, General Shadow... <laughs> After after the Let's Go movie, he's been in a ton of stuff. Like he's got you know prominent roles in the Net movies and here and I'm pretty sure he was in Superhero Tyson Z at least in the background. Uh, I can't remember, but he's always been a really cool character. I mean, in, in any incarnation, I like the new one a lot the the new costume. But he, you know, the original was great. Like, such a, a freaky design. He's like this burn victim with a life support suit. And, and that, that is pretty much his story, too. Like, his backstory was that he was supposed to be this kind of guy caught in an accident, I think, like an oil fire or something, and <laughs> burned his flesh off, and it's all messed up. But it's not something that's really elaborated on in Stronger, I believe, but in some of the spin off material from the magazines and stuff like that, we get a bit more... And I believe, well, Martial Armor was, well, maybe Dr. Shinigami. <laughs> I was going to say that I think General Shadow, he's the first character in Kamen Rider to really make use of cards as a big thing. Uh, martial Armor, he had a whole scene where he kind of was reading tarot cards before he, you know, accuses Rider Man of betrayal and all that. And and one of the girls in the original show had this thing where she could tell the future with uh, Trump cards. And they would also double his weapons that she would throw at people. Um, I I don't know. I, I actually that's something I'm kind of interested in. I've never really understood that, but apparently you can tell the future with like the Trump. Like it doesn't have to be tarot cards; it's just Trump cards. Uh, I'd like to learn more about that because that's the thing I've seen in a couple Tokusatsu now. Because <laughs> that's something General Shadow would would always do. In stronger, he'd you know be reading the cards and he saw his own death and stuff like that. It was cool. All right. Well, we've we got the big machine forming now, and uh, this is a pretty cool idea. I mean, they combine the Zangyaku ship with the the Crisis ship, <laughs> and there go the uh, the gills. And it, it is pretty good CGI. And that was I, I remember uh, on the HAE radio, we sort of talked about how this is very impressive CGI for the for a a uh, Toei movie. And we got Dien'd at the controls with the uh, the giant ski levers. As far as this whole scene with D. N. You know, being the bad guy, of the film, uh, you know, like I said, I can't, I, I can't get too mad about him because he does kind have a point. At the same time, if you're a fan of the character, this is really kind of like a step backward. I, I, actually, that's sort of another thing I wanted to talk about uh, was with, with decade in regards to decade. Is after this movie he needs to never be turned evil again. Like I never want to see another movie where Decade is the bad guy because it's happened three times now. You know, <laughs> please leave Skasa alone. <laughs> you know, let it just let him be a hero next time because uh, the poor poor guy. You know, like in in All Rise versus Die Shaghar, I liked it. I like that whole idea of him being. You know, he's he was a villain. And over the course of his journey, he's learned to become a hero. And he's, you know, he even though he has kind of this momentary lapse, by the end of the film, he he remembers his, who he's supposed to be. You know, he finds his place. He's no longer a, a passing through Kamen Rider. That was something, uh, I think that was actually just in the manga version. I can't remember if the movie had that line too, where he says, you know, I'm no longer a passing through Kamen Rider. I'm the, the Kamen Rider that will save the world um which is really cool like that's such a good way to sort of end that character's story but you know still leave him leave him around to continue on as as a guy who will will come back like any good writer should um but yeah just the <laughs> the making him evil thing i i i hope they don't do that again and dn the same thing where i feel like the poor guy. I mean, in the show, he starts out as this, you know, kind of friendly rival to Skasa. And then it goes very back and forth. And it would often feel like he would get development in a couple episodes. And then that would sort of be forgotten about by the next one. Like, his... When we go to The End World, I thought that would have been, like, a big turning point. But, you know, in the episodes after that, he's back to his old hijinks. So, I don't know. And then in this one, you know... He, <laughs> completely goes off the rails so uh oh, here comes kengo with the extra switch yeah the stuff with yellow buster uh it's hard not to be bothered by that you know as big a fan of Comrade as a uh, comrader as i am uh i don't think they needed to do this <laughs> where she gets dumped out and Forza takes her place like that it doesn't really work for me and that's why I think uh, another thing where Superhero Tyson Z is that improved is that you know they just they make an extra space for Wizard in the robot, and so he's there with the whole team, and that that feels a little bit more true to I think the spirit of Ryder and Sentai teaming up. <laughs> the scene where Dian like sees the the giant robot with the rockets coming out, of him, he's like, "What the?" <laughs> Then they go up into space. I guess the kind of weird thing is that the battle on Earth still continues after this. uh you know where most of the time what would happen is when the giant robot happens, all the attention is on that, and I don't know actually maybe that's that's kind of how they do it in the next one too it's just It's just funny how they're like they're all standing around watching that and suddenly. Uh silver shows up, and he's shooting everybody. <laughs> he's like, "Don't forget about me guys, and then we got, of course the o s ranger keys where uh yeah um i don't know uh i I got the set, you know, I bought the whole set uh I actually don't have a mobile which is kind of funny if you think about it, but maybe I'll get one someday or I'll just you know the the set all in the package looks pretty nice, so. You know, the Ranger Keys, I, I thought they were a cool idea, honestly. I, I, like, the whole, just the key idea. That's actually one I'd been thinking about for a while. It's like, if you asked me to come up with a gimmick for a *Common Rider, locks and keys, and now they've actually done that <laughs> with this and, and with Gaim. Because uh, I thought it'd be a cool idea to do something where it's like, you have a weapon, like a sword, then you put a key in it to turn it, and that, like, moves the handle and opens something up so the sword becomes a gun. Like, that'd be a really cool idea. If you're listening to this Bandai, then uh, feel free to take that one on me. Uh, Of course, then we've got the big part where the Riders fight Connie Laser for (laughs) not very long, but the Connie Laser suit uh, in this movie, like I said, it's cool. It's, It's just, it's so different. The original... I think is an awesome design because it's it really kind of captures that idea of probably more than anybody else really uh that it's you know it's the same guy as Dr. G it's, uses a lot of the same parts the same you know ax and shield and tunic and all that but changes just enough so it it really does look like he's this Dr. G mutated into this really cool monster, a really cool suit. That's a great fight scene, like one of the best I think in the history of Gundam Rider. The the final showdown with Connie lasers, awesome. But uh, I mean, I, when it comes to all the redesigns and the new versions and stuff like that, I I enjoy them. You know, uh, often because I think the ones that work the best are when they. They either are a different character, or they try to do something very new with the character. Uh, Like the Apollo Geist. Now, classic Apollo Geist from X. I said this on the last Fushcast episode that we did. Possibly my favorite costume in all of Tokusatsu. Out of everything, I just think it's the perfect balance of colors, perfect look, really cool design. One thing that I love about it is that the, the helmet actually shows a lot of emotion considering it's so basic and, you know, just the the red mask with the two little eyes. Um, the fact that you could see the guy's eyes through the mask was actually pretty cool depending on the lighting. You know, sometimes you can see it very clearly, sometimes you couldn't. That's neat. But it's the sort of mask where, depending on the way it's tilted, if you're kind of like looking at it from below, then the eyes are sort of tilted up, and they actually look a little sad. If you're looking at it from above, then the eyes are more tilted down, and they look very angry. Uh, it's just really cool design overall. But the Decade version, I like that one a lot, too. Uh, and I like that they really tried to do something new with their character. He feels like Apollo Geist, but he's also he's doing his own thing. So it's a, it's a cool new spin, a remix. I mean, with a lot of the the uh, redesigns, I don't really like to call them updates because I don't think they're really... You know, the whole idea of updating is weird to me. I mean, because everything goes out of date originally, if you even want to call it that. You know, if, it, <laughs> if a costume can go out of date, I don't really believe that myself. You know, everything's everything is of its time. I mean, 30 years from now, we're going to look back on... These guys on you know Forza and Wizard and all that, and and they'll be like you know that's that's what riders were like back then because who knows thirty years from now we may the the aesthetic of of what a what's considered you know a normal common rider design will probably be completely different. You know I'm sure suit making techniques and things like that will have come a long way. You know so I mean I you know you could certainly I think you could say. An update of a costume would be if they make a new version of it, like you know the Rider One and Two suits that are in this movie. They're updated versions of the old Rider One and Two suits. The design, like the redesigns, and like the first, the next—I don't know if I'd really call those updates myself. There, I I mean, actually, in the in that case uh, of those movies, the suits. I think the one of the reasons I like them is because I I find them kind of ugly, which. You know i don't think i don't think being ugly is a bad thing i think when it comes to monsters anyway, when it comes to these kind of characters you know having an ugly monster suit i think is great because a monster should be ugly should be horrific and common rider originally started out as monsters you know made made by the villains and especially in those films since they go for this whole idea of well, rider 1 and 2 or the hoppers are no different than spider and bat and all that. I mean they they work the same and everything. They're just they're the ones that got away making them kind of fearsome and and a little, you know, a little unpleasant looking. I think works. I mean, you know, the main thing is that i think the uh the mass they look a little too small <laughs> on, on those ones they're they're very tight and almost kind of skull like and, and they really sort of exaggerate the whole visible neck thing which on the old rider suits it was an incidental detail it was kind of you know a limitation of the time which kind of was became cool in its own right but it's not something that i think they ever really wanted to do that much i mean because as soon as they got the chance they they covered him up Whereas on the those suits, the the next ones, uh, or the revamp ones, the revival, whatever you want to call them, it's become this main thing. And then you know you got the gloves and the boots, which are a lot more sort of segmented, and they got little lines and stuff like that. And you know, again, or, or like with SIC, I mean, it's cool in its own way. It's it's cool, and it is it is a little bizarre and and kind of ugly but you know like i said it's not a bad thing i mean to me the only real criticism i think you could ever make of the old rider suits uh, rider one and two anyway is that they're kind of they're they're almost a little too heroic (laughs) you know they they start out as being something made by the bad guys but like right from the get-go rider one looks like a superhero to me you know, an unconventional superhero, but still, he's he's pleasant looking, and he's heroic and and powerful, and just conjures this image of, you know, the, the, this lone bike riding superhero guy. Maybe that's just because I'm so used to the idea, but and, and that's why you know, in uh, in Let's Go, when you had Rider One and Two show up, being evil. I think that's why it, it kind of worked so much to me. It's it, it took something that I'm very used to and associate with sort of the epitome of heroism and said, this is what it looks like corrupted and, and evil. And that was cool. Well, we're wrapping up Superhero Tyson now. It's hard to say what was cut out. I, again, I I think there was some stuff in the middle early on. Like I, I seem to recall a lot more with skasa on the Die Shocker ship that was uh, cut down. Now, I remember, at the end of this movie, it's so funny seeing him with that hair because not only is it a lot more kind of normal than the hair that we're used to, but it's also black. Like, he's in the show. Wasn't he usually... uh, He had brown hair. So this is... I think the first time he showed up, I was like, you know, with that jacket and that haircut, he almost kind of looks like he's going for a young Hibiki. (laughs) Like... if you looked at them from a distance they kind of have a similar uh, profile at least but yeah so so we're here at Tyson um, yeah I don't know I mean when all is said and done it's got problems but it's not a movie I can really get that mad over you know it's it's. I, I think uh I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't call it one of the best, but even, you know, when it comes to Kamen Rider movies and Sentai movies, I, I think I find even the worst ones, they're still watchable. There's still something to enjoy in them. You know, I've, I've yet to ever see a Kamen Rider movie that I, I never want to see again. Um, now, Kamen Rider the next... I have I have watched it in full more than once and it's it's not easy, but at least the you know, the fight scenes and the the common rider part of it is is still pretty good, I think. It's in a lot of ways it's been uh superseded since. Like the the I remember, you know, back in the day, back when those films were new, the quality of action in them was considered really high and now in the years since, especially from decade onwards We've had action in other movies that, you know, is <laughs> makes those look very simple by comparison. But, I mean, they still got their charm, you know. They're, they're, uh, they're like, like everything, they're of their time now. And uh, if it were up to me, I, I don't think I'd want to see another remake come around a movie. I, I would like to see something that was in that kind of vein, almost, where it's sort of... Back to basics, but you know, or a little bit, a little bit pared down. But like a new story, new characters, new stuff like that. And I think it'd be really cool to do something like that. Uh, now they they decided to just randomly show previews for Kyuger and Wizard <laughs> for the next episodes, which if you had been watching this channel for the last two weekends, you would not have seen. Okay, here comes Gaim. He's on a horse. Oh wow, they got the Pineapple Weapon. (laughs) Banana Arms. Knight of Spear. Oh wow, the Regan voice sounds kind of gooey. Like the the voice of the, uh, I'm assuming the belt. Cool henchin pose. Okay, so oh wow, there it is! Oh my God, they showed the giant orange fall on his head, and then they like froze on it. Oh, they got some of the other characters. I think they had the theme song playing in the back, and that uh sounded interesting. Kind of hard to you know hear it on its own, but very upbeat and action-packed and everything. So, I guess that's it. That was the guy that was the guy in preview. It's not not gonna be much more than that, but uh 'cause we're we're on to the pretty cure movie now. well, as you might be able to tell uh by my voice, I'm actually <laughs> starting to lose it a bit my my throat's getting a bit clogged up, so Probably a good time to take a break because I'm gonna have to be recording uh, another episode in a bit—the the question and answer one, which I meant to do last weekend, but i have been very distracted by other things. Uh, as far as I can tell, all the Rider stuff is pretty much done. Like they showed the guy in promo. We're onto the Pretty Cure movie now, which is uh, is fun. There's not a whole lot else I can really say about it. Just not being as familiar with Pretty Cure, but uh, it it's it's pretty funny, and uh I'll keep it on in the background as i edit this i'm I'm definitely gonna edit it down just because I've had so many kind of blank spots and tangents that go nowhere and stuff like that but uh there you have it <laughs> so that was that was my initial reaction to guy and a lot of nonsense <laughs> about superior tyson but uh that wraps it up for this episode of Rider Break, and uh, I'll have another episode coming out probably very soon after this one. So thanks for listening, and I uh, I hope you keep on listening after this. Jump. Jump. Rider, come Kamen rider. Kamen Rider, Rider, Rider A-Jump! Rider Kamen Rider, Kamen Rider, Rider, Rider